it's tempting uh, on a day like this to um, reflect on how our Lord's resurrection as an historical fact, as the center of all human history, is presented to us in an emphatic way by the witness, by the lives and the deaths of the apostles, such that we can know that Christ is the center of human history and the historical fact of his death and the reality of his resurrection as proclaimed by how he changed the lives of those who otherwise would have gone back into hiding for fear that the death that visited him would be brought upon them so that we know that the Christian faith is not a leap in the dark, but actually is the only the most reasonable conclusion to draw from the evidence that's given us by the apostles. But I'm not going to talk about that. Instead, what I'd rather do is allow our sacred rituals to speak for themselves. Exultat yam angelica tuorvacelorum. In nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Twenty-two years ago, I grew into a relationship with this candle standing taller than me, the Paschal candle, which was lit last night from the Easter bonfire at the beginning of the great Easter vigil. A symbol that was familiar to me as, a, as an altar boy, but never terribly important until I was in my home parish for my father's funeral. And then all of a sudden recognized this beautiful symbol with its great significance. In baptism, we are symbolically participating in the death of Christ by, by drowning in water, by being submerged in water. The waters of baptism signifying, first and foremost, death. Because in order to be inscribed into this covenant established prior to us, just as in the Old Testament, we need to take upon ourselves some participation or token or emblem of the sacrifice that established the covenant in the first place. And so not just symbolically, but sacramentally, in baptism, we die. We die to sin. We die to selfishness. We die to the chains of evil. We die to this world. We, we die to, to sorrow and despair. And we rise to a new life. And when we rise to new life, that primary symbol of our Lord's resurrection is this candle burning. If we were in 
the great basilica of St. Paul outside the walls, we would see a stand for the Paschal candle that reaches as high as that crucifix hanging above the tabernacle. Water has its own other connotations that help this ritual make even more sense because water not only in its natural state can cause our death, but also is necessary for our life. The waters of baptism also conjure up notions of our being cleansed of sin and, and being given refreshment. First and foremost, it symbolizes death, and this candle symbolizes eternal life. A candle such as this then burns at every Mass during the Easter season and burns as well at our funeral, at every funeral Mass, proclaiming that our Lord and Savior truly is risen And so as a, as a young seminarian in those days, my father, having left this world before I was ready, I was jealous of this candle. Not envious. Envious would mean that I want something that the candle has. Jealous means that I feel possessive of it in the way that God is jealous of you. I would, I would be angry when I'd be in, in the seminary chapel or at a church where an Easter Mass was being celebrated and this candle was left dead, as it were. Over the course of the year, it'll shrink. It'll, it'll, it'll lower by several feet until it's, the flame is just barely above five grains of incense that symbolize the five wounds of Christ. It's at my father's funeral that this candle symbolized everything that mattered. Because it's in the face of death we realize that our Lord's death and resurrection is the only thing that makes life worth living. If the course of life simply means that we are gradually separated from more and more people whom we love, life only gets worse. But if the course of life means that I am preparing for heaven and I can help my loved ones go to heaven and I can be in communion with them already in heaven... I can join in their worship of God with the angels and the saints, then life only gets better. Life has us growing in hope and an expectation of all the good that awaits us, which in the meantime we have the opportunity to taste from time to time whether it be in the natural reminders of God's goodness and beauty or in the sacramental experiences of his presence. 
And so this candle means a great deal. Try to imagine, if you could, the darkness into which this candle entered last night. Another example of how our sacred liturgy here is more of a renaissance example of the ancient Roman liturgy than what would have happened 1,300 years ago. Because the vigils, very, very few in the year, Pentecost and Christmas being the best examples, a vigil meant that this Mass started in the late hours of the day in total darkness. And Mass being properly offered in the morning because of the symbolism of the rising sun, our Lord's resurrection and His coming at the end of time from the east, the morning then being the only time that the Holy Mass was properly, most properly celebrated, a vigil meant that it started in the darkness of the night and continued until sunrise. Fortunately, the church never made any of the vigils mandatory, completely optional. Very few souls had that stamina. And gradually, over the course of time, vigils were anticipated into the morning of the day before the great feast so that the great numbers of Christian faithful could participate. But one thing lost, I have to admit, is the stunning beauty of a church completely dark into which this candle enters. And the cry heard by the faithful is Lumen Christi, light of Christ, to which we respond, Deo gratias, thanks be to God. Eventually the faithful with their own candles now lit enter into the church But this large flame dancing on top of the Paschal candle emits a light that eventually makes it possible to grow accustomed to your surroundings, to the focus of your attention. It makes it possible to move forward. The deacon then comes across and he incenses the holy book and he incenses the holy candle. And then he proclaims the great song of the exultet. I hesitate to call it a song. It's sung. But when we remember that over a hundred years ago, a homily during the course of the Holy Mass was rather uncommon. Many priests preaching before Mass or at Vespers or at some other liturgical function. And quite a number of priests not being permitted to preach, only being permitted to offer the Mass. The church over the course of centuries allowed words in addition to the inspired words of sacred scripture to be included in these sacred rites. The Victime Pascalis is a perfect example. It's as though the church has an official homily, an official reflection for all the faithful to hear. Charlemagne actually was one of the first to 
prepare and to distribute homilies that the priests would be required to preach. And the exalted, interestingly, always concluded with a prayer for the Holy Roman Emperor until about a century ago. These, then, aren't songs, ones that we would just simply compose. Think of these sacred hymns as as the sermons that the church wanted all the faithful to hear, sometimes read in the divine office and the office of readings, but in the sacred liturgy, they would be sung. And so then these are the church's words. Proclaimed in the light of this great candle. Exalt. Let them exalt the hosts of heaven. Exalt. Let angel ministers of God exalt. Let the trumpet of salvation sound aloud our mighty king's triumph. Be glad. Let earth be glad as glory floods her, ablaze with light from her eternal king. Let all corners of the earth be glad, knowing an end to gloom and darkness. Rejoice. Let Mother Church also rejoice, arrayed with the lightning of his glory. Let this holy building shake with joy, filled with the mighty voices of the peoples. It is truly right and just, with ardent love of mind and heart and with devoted service of our voice, to acclaim our God invisible, the, mighty, the Almighty Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord, his Son, his only begotten, who for our sake paid Adam's debt to the Eternal Father, and pouring out his own dear blood, wiped clean the record of our ancient sinfulness. These, then, are the feasts of Passover, in which is slain the Lamb, the one true Lamb, whose blood anoints the doorposts of believers. This is the night when once you led our forebears, Israel's children, from slavery in Egypt and made them pass dryshod through the Red Sea. This is the night that with a pillar of fire banished the darkness of sin. This is the night that even now, throughout the world, sets Christian believers apart from worldly vices and from the gloom of sin, leading them to grace and joining them to his holy ones. This is the night when Christ broke the prison bars of death and rose victorious from the underworld. Our birth would have been no gain had we not been redeemed. O wonder of your humble care for us, O love, O charity beyond all telling, to ransom a slave... You gave away your son. O truly necessary sin of Adam, destroyed completely by the death of Christ. O happy fault that earned for us so great, so glorious a redeemer. O truly blessed night, worthy alone to know the time and hour when Christ rose from the underworld. This is the night of which it is written, the night shall be as bright as day. Dazzling is the night for me and full of gladness. The sanctifying power of this night dispels wickedness, washes faults away, restores innocence to the fallen and joy to mourners, drives out hatred, 
fosters concord and brings down the mighty. On this, your night of grace, O Holy Father, accept this candle, a solemn offering, the work of bees and of your servants' hands, an even sacrifice of praise, this gift from your most holy church. But now we know the praises of this pillar, which glowing fire ignites for God's honor, a fire into many flames divided, yet never dimmed by sharing of its light. For it is fed by melting wax, drawn out by mother bees to build a torch so precious. O truly blessed night, when things of heaven are wed to those of earth and divine to the human. Therefore, O Lord, we pray you that this candle hallowed to the honor of your name, may persevere undimmed to overcome the darkness of this night. Receive it as a pleasing fragrance and let it mingle with the lights of heaven. May this flame be found still burning by the morning star, the one morning star who never sets, Christ your Son, who coming back from death's domain, has shed his peaceful light on humanity and lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.